Now we're going to the second part, so let's clap again. Okay. Three, two, one. Okay. Okay, second part. part Last two. part, we discussed cancer, a way of perhaps a preventative type of cure for cancer. Actually, we started off talking about dinosaurs and wings. Then we started off talking about nature and AI, and then we started talking about cancer and biology. Okay. Hmm. You were going to say something. I, I was watching a TED Talk once. That was a long time ago, but... um. Someone basically mapped out, like, the entire human genome and yeah. wrote it in a book. No, a book? Like, he wrote it all out uh, in a book. And it was, he brought it out onto stage and it was basically, uh, it was like a shelf of books, like, uh, a metre and a half long and a metre high. And it was just, like, three shelves of just thick books. And that was the whole human genome. It was ridiculous. You know what's interesting? Yeah. About 90% of it is non-coding. What does that mean? It doesn't code for anything. It's just there for no reason. Well, it's not there for no reason. We don't know why it's there. But it's it's basically cut out. It's not even part of the mRNA strand. Well, we don't know why it's there. More or less. Really? Yeah. It's like it's like dark energy of biology. Like a lot of so why is it there? The... Okay. Exactly. We so don't know what it's used for. 90%. We don't, we don't know. It's called introns. 90% or... There's a, it's, wait, flip, hold on. Let me quickly look up. How much of... Spelling. How much of DNA is non-coding? 99... 99%. Huh? Okay. Apparently it's 99%. Mad. Which is... um Interesting. That means only 1% of our genome, 1% of that massive bookshelf and all the books that he's uh, talking about. Imagine you take one book out, only that one book actually goes for something. Yeah, no, because he, he whipped out one of the books and then he pointed like a specific page and it was like, this is the human coding for like, if you're a boy and a, boy and a girl, like darling, like one word of that book was if you're a boy and a girl, which is kind of, out of that whole bookshelf, it's just like one little bit. But um, anyway. Um, yeah. The thing is, it makes it it makes sense considering from that one percent. If you take out one book, because there's so much to code for, it almost makes sense that only that one word is is being part of. Yeah, but if ninety nine percent of it is just not doing anything, we don't know what it's doing. That's the thing. It's it's not part of protein synthesis. Right. Basically, it doesn't. It's being replicated. It's there. It's always there. Um. It it's also going. It's also being mutated. That's the thing. Why the reason why most even though DNA is mutating completely so many times, because so many of these mutations are in the non-coding regions of our body, it doesn't do anything much to us. Have they ever tried taking it out? Well, like removing the non-coding bit? Removing 99% of our DNA. Well, if, it's not, if we don't know what it's there for, we might as well see. That's the f- well, even for structural reasons, it has to be... And secondly, taking it out is, is a bit mad, first of all. And second of all, don't know how to do it. Third, thirdly... Um, it's not that it's there for no reason. I'm not saying, yeah, no, if they don't know what it's there for, they can take it out, see what happens, and they're like, oh, okay, so it's kind of for that thing. It's like, yeah, you just said, well, yeah, I mean, how is, how are you going to take, the thing is, we don't, fuck, I don't know how you take it out, (laughs) but it's like, if you have, if you have a hundred lines of code, and you don't know what 99 lines of it does, you just take out the 99 lines, and you see what error pops out, like, oh, okay, so that bit of code is for that, it's just, yeah, I get you. I don't know. It's quite interesting. We're, even for A-level biology, which is relatively advanced, we do we do quite advanced science for biology. We don't 
No, we don't learn what we're there for. It's just that we just accept it. And it's like, oh, say that, so it's just there for no reason. Right. But yeah, scientists are like obviously trying to like find out what it's there for. I don't know if they've tried just getting rid of... I don't think you'll be able to... Suffer. It's like we can't locate what would be wrong, what their purpose is, because the thing would probably die. We, don't, we can't track why it died. Yeah, but okay, but if we know that most that one percent is for like protein synthesis, then you can just see what other functions stop. If it dies too quick, then obviously yeah. But... It's like this: the Human Genome Project. It also maps the non-coding regions. I'm pretty sure it has to, or it's not the complete genome of the humans. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's being used um, to create the mRNA vaccine, for example, or this gene technology. The genome of a person first it took like twelve years or something. Now it can be done in five minutes. Really? Yeah. Nice. Because all, all you need is one... Because each, each and every cell has the whole genome, right? Yeah. Because it's the same chromosome being repeated again and again. From a blood sample, I don't see why... Yeah, literally five minutes, apparently, they can get the whole genome of that person. That's pretty nuts. But the thing is... If... Okay, so when you... Okay. A bit of a strange concept, but taking that human genome and translating that into a book is essentially translating between the language of the DNA and the language of English or whatever like language you translated it into, right? Mm-hmm. So it's sort of the idea that that tiny little genome carries the same information as the whole shelf of books. Imagine how much information loss you have when you're like, imagine how much extra useless information there is when you translate to English. The English language is actually, if you, okay, if you had like text on a screen and you covered the bottom half, you probably could still read it, right? Because you can tell kind of what shape the letters are based on like the top half of all the letters. Like that's all mm-hmm. you really need. So like 50% of that is just lost, like lost information. It's like, it's, it's just extra bulk for no reason. Like the the the, the actual, I think the English alphabet is like quite inefficient in terms of um, the amount of information that you uh, the amount of information that you convey compared to how much storage you take up. Mm-hmm. So, if we're if if you could when you think about it, the the information capacity of a DNA is so ridiculously efficient, like. It's insanely efficient. Like it's it's so inco- inconceivably efficient that we would like it, like if imagine that a tiny human genome. It's that big. It's not even that big. It's like it's it's how how big is it? Like micrometers. Micrometers, yeah, micrometers. Long. Yeah, that tiny. Imagine how efficient you'd need to store information for it to be that small. So that now, if you implement, imagine if you had a way to implement that kind of like DNA storage into the way that we like process information not necessarily language because language there's a there's like a there's a barrier between the the rate at which our brains process things and uh, the amount of information we can intake but imagine if you could store information that efficiently it is stored pretty efficient it's like this it's crazy efficient it's like this so computers work with ones and zeros genes work with a c t and g as the basis yeah. That's the language of genetics. And you're a cell, but that's not part of DNA. Um, it's like this. There's, it's not that there isn't much DNA. 
there is a lot of DNA, but the way it's stored is so compact that it can yeah, fit in a cell. Exactly. That's more physical, not that the not that these bases, the existence of these four bases, are enough in a certain sequence such that not enough of like only some of it is required or anything. It's like the way it's curled up and stuff, and the way it's associated with the histone proteins is so compact and so tiny that it can fit into a nucleus. Yeah. So, I had this idea, because imagine if you could store any information that, like, efficiently. You know how we were talking about mapping the human body? Like, trying to map everything in the human body would take up so much storage, right? But then if you could, com- if, if you could compress that... If you it on the efficiency of the way information is stored in a human genome, like you could probably just map, you could probably store information about everything in the body. In like, it's interesting because if I were to look up right now, um, and you don't like if technically if you want to copy the information, you just end up with another human. But you just need like the metadata about every cell, and it's like it's it's just how. It's just crazy. I, I know there's no real question here, but it's just crazy. The human genome contains 2.9 million base pairs. It will be 2.9 GB of data. That's all it is, a human genome. 2.9 GB. Right. But then, no, but then, like like I was saying, if you want to... If you want to store everything in the, in the human body... Like, How can you store everything? I don't understand what you... So, you're not talking just about the basis, you're saying everything. Basically, like, the, the nature and location of every cell in the body, and the, like, the activity of it. Okay, that will obviously be quite hefty, because chromosomes are everywhere. Yeah, the same exactly. thing again it would be again. ridiculous yeah. amounts of data. But if you could store that on the, with the same efficiency as a DNA, then it's probably possible. I don't know. We might mm. end up, we might end up storing information, like the same way as DNA does, because you know how, like I said, like, like, a computer with artificial intelligence is getting closer and closer to the function of a brain. Information storage in the same way will probably eventually develop to be that efficient, to the point where it's storing it in, like, on atomic levels. Mm. So. What is the real difference then between a computer and a human? Consciousness, personality, experience. Okay, but I don't want to ask what is consciousness because that's just a whole <laughs> other rabbit hole. I have a book about it, and I still I haven't. I need to. I haven't even finished this. I'm getting so lazy. I I have. I have this much to cover. Actually, it's about half of this, because a lot of it is um, useless. It's like this much. Oh yeah, look at Daddy. That's Stephen Hawking. Anyway. <laughs> Daddy Stephen um, Hawking. Yeah. So, about that much left. It's going to take me like another week. It's fine. Okay. But yeah, I need to get onto the consciousness book, because understanding even introduction to consciousness, it's actually a lot of knowledge understanding somewhat what consciousness is and stuff i thought wait so stephen hawking wrote about like consciousness and that stephen hawking didn't it's that it's a different book oh okay steve this book has um is there a god how did it all begin by the way the is there a god the argument that he uses is very 
very very simple yet it's like so effective uh -huh. i'll discuss it later is there a god how did it all begin is there other intelligent life in the universe can we predict the future what is inside a black hole is time travel possible will we survive on earth should we colonize space or ai outsmart us how do we shape the future are the questions that he answers in this book mm -hmm. well he doesn't answer them it's just his take on those questions have you read the whole thing no, I think I have done everything except. So I've done. Let me see. It's soundtrack. Okay, so I've done. Is there a god? How did it all begin? Is there other intelligent life in the universe? Um, can we predict the future and what is inside a black hole? Right. Okay, wait. Should, can we go over how to predict the future? I don't remember what you talked about. Okay, let me go back. <laughs> um. Can we predict the future? I have read this. It's talking about Heisenberg's uncertainty principle. Oh. Do you know what that is? Yes. Would you care to explain what that is? Let me just confirm. I have to search this up every time. Heisenberg uncertainty principle. Um... It's, it's quantum mechanics, basically. Yes, you, can, you can't measure the exact position and momentum of a particle. You can yeah, really either measure one or, the one or the other to certain degrees of accuracy. Yeah. So the way to sort of imagine it's like the position of, let's say you can make, measure the position of a uh, particle to 80% accuracy. The speed of it can only be 20 to 20% of the accuracy almost. Mm. And you sort of have to play along with that. Um, I think that's what it, um, yeah, quantum mechanics. So I am skimming through this. It's very bad. I actually read this like a month ago. I can't forget. I can't remember it. But tiny disturbances in one place can cause a major change in a butterfly. They, they discussed butterfly the butterfly effect. effect with the prediction of the future. Yeah, I was because, gonna. I was gonna bring that up because t yeah. you can't really predict a chaotic system. So. Yeah, it's talking about some type of a chaos factor is the reason why it's so difficult to predict the future because yeah. any small change, me knocking over Thanos. Or like me removing Thanos from his um, interesting armor, say hello, can have a massive, some probably a massive impact somehow. It has an or impact on not. like the turbulence of the air around you. Like the, Maybe. the the air would go in a completely different direction because like it's now it's not going it's not flowing over his head it's going past your arm and stuff. Like... Yes, yeah, it's. it's have some effect and that can have a change in a certain chemical level in my body due to the change of humidity around certain type of skin or something yeah um but yeah it's so how could one predict the future no matter how powerful a computer you have if you put lousy data in you will get a lousy prediction out. yeah you know there was a i don't know if i've already talked about this but there was a meteorologist and he was this was like one of the first things about like, the, the, one of the first signs of chaos theory. He was inputting the data about, like, the weather into a program to predict what the weather would be. And he could only put things to, I think, six decimal places. So he, he let his computer run, and then he had to stop it. And he took those values down. But the computer processes to, like, hundreds of decimal places. But he, but he could only see six. So he noted down the six decimal places. And then, he, like, he, he let the computer keep running for a little bit, and then he stopped it and moved back. And then he put in the six decimal places, and he started it again. And then it was, like, completely different values. Like, even those seven and beyond decimal places 
can result in just completely different um, results in, uh, in in whatever you're calculating. It's just like it's yeah. one of the crazy things about chaos theory. It's just it's yeah. tiny initial conditions. See, he asked us a question: Do the laws governing the universe allow us to predict exactly what is going to happen in the future? The short answer is no and yes. This guy is so. Yeah, anyways, <laughs> in principle, the laws allow us to predict the future, but in practice, the calculations are often too difficult. Yes. So he's saying he's saying that it's that this is the last paragraph. Wait, is this the last? So basically, he goes on to talk about black hole. He introduces black holes before he said it, but he's saying all the quantum mechanics leads to uncertainty when we try to predict both the position and the speed. It still allows us to predict with certainty one combination of the speed and the position. However, even this degree of certainty seems to be threatened by the more recent developments. The problem arises because gravity can warp space-time so much that there can be regions of space that we can't observe. Whoa. What is that like, black holes? One of the many. What else bends space-time that much? Whoa, wait, wait, so we can't observe it? If you can't observe it, how are you going to predict it? What exactly can you not observe? You know how when you have that whole thing about like the, the gravity well, so you have space time, and yeah. then it, like it bends it. So how does it bend yeah. it so much that like you can't observe it all the way at the bottom? Really, is that what you say? It's the same way about how you can't observe the inside of a black hole. Probably the same application to huh. how you can't yeah. observe certain bits. So, so he's saying that something can be the space time can be warped so much in certain places in space that you can't observe it. If you can't observe it, that can have such an effect because that is a variable. It's like you not being able to observe that is you having data to like three decimal places and it's not enough. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. So does that mean the physics doesn't allow us or can we just not observe something that's not observable? Can we access can we observe something that space time does not allow us to observe is basically the question of whether we can predict the future. It's not that science in every single way obstructs us it's what it's what our ability is and how that is basically possible so it's like it's like the limitations physics. of us as an observer in the universe yeah and that as a balance with the limitations in, like, of what physics can allow us to do and stuff like that basically uh, is what he discusses interesting einstein was pissed about you know he was always pissed about quantum mechanics just like yeah. his, his famous phrase god does not play dice with the universe yeah, no, that's, that's the conflict. People who advocate for general relativity, people who are, you know, who do PhDs in like quantum mechanics and stuff like that, always beefing in the cafeteria, like, you're wrong, no, you're wrong. No. I have a. Okay. It's back to artificial intelligence, but it's different this time. It's, um. This technically, I'm endangering your life by telling you this. So, do you want to know? I do literally know don't care. This is a, it's, 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 I think it's classed as like a, it's a, like a security threat to know this information. But I know it, so now you have to know it, so. Um, now everyone else is going to know because I'm paying you on the internet. Yeah, if you don't want to know it, then skip. I don't. Um, yeah. It's called <laughs> Roku's Basilisk. So, it's, it's like the idea that eventually there will be an artificial intelligence that uh, it's able to decide 
uh, whether certain life forms did or did not help with its creation. It's it's an intelligence that it's 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 trying to make everything more efficient. So it makes everything ever more efficient in the world. And when it eventually comes to fruition, it's able to decide whether certain life forms did or didn't help with its creation. Because if a life form knew about the AI and didn't help with like trying to make that AI uh, trying to create the AI, then that means it's not being efficient, right? So that's a bit paternalistic. Oh, obviously, but it's an it's a, it's an AI, so it's not like it has feelings. Well, mm. different conversation, but like it's it's basic. It's trying to make everything more efficient and is ruthless. And like technically, if you're trying to make things more efficient, you have to be ruthless. If you're trying to include, like, if you're trying to improve the efficiency of a company, you have to fire some people. Like it's mm-hmm. it's the same thing. So it's so basically, the threat is the more people that know it. And like the more people who have the ability to 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 bring this AI to fruition, the higher risk there is of this AI actually being a thing. Like obviously you you just say okay, what if just no one made it? But if one person was like scared and actually ended up making it, that one person would be uh, like exempt from uh, from being uh, punished for not bringing it from to but from not creating it because it did did create it, right? But then everyone else would be at at risk for not creating it let's say it does happen as one person created it it's a bit useless because let's say the whole of humanity is killed it's not killed but it's like punished it doesn't have to punished. kill if anything being punished to or being like tortured is a like it's a greater risk than death because you can be punished to the point where you want to die but they just won't kill you and an and artificial intelligence can, can carry that out to extreme precision like it could probably bring you as close to death as you could ever be and just not kill you. So it's like, it's, it's sort of like this existential threat of having an AI, an AI that can punish That's you if you don't create it. That just shows how much regulation and stuff is required in the future. It's, the you, need, you need regulation now. Like if you, yeah, true. It's it's like if you had a weapon of mass destruction, there are there are reg- regulatory powers over weapons of mass destruction, and like having nukes and having large military uh, power, right? Like they, people keep track of this stuff, but no one keeps track of AI, like ever. Yeah, that's the thing. Like people say, oh yeah, it's the future, it's the future, but the future is now. I can't like exactly everything that. That's the thing. Like we we consider these still in the mindset that oh, in the future this is going to be there, in the future that's going to be there. Quantum computers still exist. Yeah, AI stuff like this is 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 now. You know, mm. it's not the future. So we have to get out of that mindset that oh, it's going to happen. Into oh, it's already happening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but actually, I was gonna link this to something. Um, shit, my mind went blank. So what was I gonna say? Think, think, think. So we're talking about. I'm not. I'm never gonna like get it. Basically, this is the thing about my memory. I have very, 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 very bad memory. I can't even remember why. For, oh, actually, I do. I don't remember why I had for breakfast yesterday. Neither do I. I don't remember why I had for breakfast today. I just had it, so I remember. I had a very nice. Um, you just had breakfast. I woke up. It's two thirty. I woke up right. I woke up right, and I just stayed in bed. <laughs> yeah. Until like eleven. Well, same. <laughs> and I had a... Ma- yeah, but by the time I went downstairs, it was like 12. 
and I at 12, and we started recording at 1. Right. So, yeah. I mean, same. <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to... What's your point? I don't even know what our point is. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, AI. Um, I think that reminds me. Have you seen iRobot? The Will Smith one. I've, I've seen it. I don't remember what happens, but, yeah. I, don't, I just remember it being an AI takeover. Mm-hmm. I think it's one robot goes rogue or something, or just one robot is different. Um, the AI technology is like a mass. Oh, flipping! It's like a Jarvis, but it controls everything. Mm-hmm. It's like a massive face in the middle of a building. You see, it's like um, imagine you have a big building, right, and you have like a central room sort of, and the room has like a massive cube with a face on it and ima- imagine that being an AI right just typical it's, sci-fi stuff yeah yeah typical sci-fi stuff okay. it's their way of sort of uh, putting an object putting AI to an object even though AI is not like AI is basically code uh-huh. but yeah it was something about the guy had to switch it off somehow. I don't know. These sci-fi films, it's always so dystopian, man. Well, I mean, it gives you a glimpse into what we could eventually run into. Why can't we have a utopian one? There's never any good utopian sci-fi. Because if it's utopian, then there's nothing to battle against. Like, the whole point of a film is that you battle against adversity in some way. Oh, that's true. But you could, if, even if it's utopian... It's this is the thing about Black Mirror, because not everything in Black Mirror is in a world where everything is bad. But it's internal struggles in a world where everything is good. Uh huh. I've watched like two episodes of Black Mirror, so. Yeah. So what was the f- episode that you watched? I'm trying to remember. The first two. Like, the first oh, one was trash. The it first was so one weird. was the first one. The Prime Minister one. Oh my god. No, no. The first one was the one where they have. Where they just start banging in a video game. Uh, oh yeah, the two million credits or something, right? Is it that? I don't even know, but they have this chip that they attach to the brain and they start banging in the video game. And right. I'm, no, sure. Yeah. Um. No, I was. I don't know. What was the prime minister one? I don't know if I can explain it on this. Uh, he there there there's a threat. He has to bang a pig, and. <sighs> You've not watched it. One. I don't know why no, I watched the, I watched the whole thing, and I was like, "What is Black Mirror?" Because I, <laughs> I saw everyone raving about Black Mirror, and then I watched it's that. It's a good concept. And it's just... they're very, <laughs> they're very niche sci-fi concepts. Yeah, every episode is different. Like, I realized that was over this. I watched a couple, but yeah, yeah, it's interesting. They are very. It's, they're interesting episodes, but some of them are the way it is. It's like this. One of the one of the way it is. It's, oh, this was a really good episode, actually. I really enjoyed this one. It's like, you have this device, and you give someone's actions, or you give someone a rating out of five, um, depending on what they do and stuff like that. And they have an average rating and stuff. Uh-huh. So throughout your whole life, let's say some, some guy, it basically it's a motive for you to be nice to everyone. 
so that they give you a five star rating. And the reason why you want a good rating is because you have certain privileges that you get if you're rated a certain amount. Yeah. For example, you can only get into a certain job perhaps if you have like a four point two rating or something. Uh huh. Out of five. Ooh. And ooh, okay. Yeah. It's like it's almost like it's just validation. a life rating. Yeah. Exactly. It's valid. It's like you being validated by other people getting you through life. It's the take on social media and the likes and sort of concept and stuff like that. How you're getting validation from other people double tapping on your posts. Uh, yeah. Um, but everyone seemed to be happy with it. In my opinion, that was dystopian. But the way the f- it was shot and the way the tone that they sort of gave was so happy and so sort of like it was it's something normal it almost seemed utopian and efficient it's something no one can ever think of that's the thing about black mirror you can never think of this why does never, ever why does this seem dystopian to you because because your whole life is a is decided and affected by what other people think of you yeah but in a social in a social situation, like when you're on your own, that doesn't matter because you're not around anyone. No one's rating you. In a social situation, that is how social interactions work. Like it's based on how it's based on the impression that another person has. Can the... Yeah, but it's like this: the impression of other people and what other people think of you shouldn't really affect, how, in a way, as majorly as it does in this Black Mirror episode, how your life is going to be carried out. It's like this. You know the stuff people say to counter how people look at likes and the amount of views that they get on TikToks and stuff like that, thinking, oh, it's not about what other people think of you. You shouldn't be pressurised to do some stuff because other people are, like, could other people think of you in a certain way or you have to, like, gain validity from certain people. That's not how, that's not why. Yeah, but it's not... You do certain things. Yeah, but... the difference, I think, between social media and this is that with things like Instagram, you post like the best-looking photos of you, and you post the, the times that you look the best, or you think you look the best at least, and then people will give you validation on that. Mm. Which is, it's also it's it's purely pictorial, and like it's like oh, in the comments, like stuff like that, but. With with this, it's like the interactions you have on a day to day basis are actually what like affects people's other people like new people's impressions of you, which I think is like I can't think of a good reason why that's not a good system because the because that's truly how you should rate a person. You shouldn't rate a person based on how good they look in a photo. You should rate a person based on the interactions that they have on a daily basis. If you meet someone and they have a perfect five star review, it's not like this. Then you yeah. know they're gonna be a good person. It's like they it's like this, but their motive is not to be a good person. Their motive is to have a good enough rating so that they can have certain things in life. Yeah, that's why it's fake. That's that's the only thing. Like people, you can you can you can pretend to be a good person. The only... Yeah, and it introduces stuff like class and class, like it's like a class system basically. The only thing I would say is, can other people see what rating you have before rating you? Yeah, I think so. I don't I don't remember the specifics of the episode, but. You have a device and you point it at them and you click a certain button to rate them a certain something. And the, and the lady, like the, the protagonist, they, she gets a bunch of bad ratings or something. And and her life just gets fucked over or something, I think. Yeah. I because it's like if you... 
you can like review bomb a person because you know how you know how if you have like an app yeah exactly that's what i'm saying like you can literally give them out of spite a three star rating yeah and then that's that's when it gets which happens which happens in the actual thing i'm pretty sure yeah that's it's there's many reasons why it's bad I understand the concept and the take that it takes, but yeah, yeah, maybe that's the reason why I d- that's the reason why I don't think it was particularly utopian. Yeah, but I think it's not particularly a future either. It's just a different way of of the society running. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. That's that's pretty interesting. It is. I was gonna say something again, and I completely forgot. <laughs> About what? But. About uh, this thing, Black Mirror stuff. Yeah. The only, if I think, I'm trying to think. It could. Be, it has potential, though. I'm not saying to do this because it's like it's pretty evil, but mm-hmm. it has potential to like to be a functioning society. If, if first of all, if you could like not see someone someone stars before rating them, if you have to have an interaction with someone and then you rate them. Then it's fine. Also, if you can, if you can't see your rating at all times, like if you can never see what your rating is, then mm. I would say that's better, because what difference does that make? Because that's the thing. Because now you're not doing it. Like it's, it's, it's sort of like an indirect motive to be a good person. But now you can't look at yourself and be like, oh yeah, I've, I've, like, you can't. You know how people are trying to be fake with it? No, 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 I get you, but it's still in your consciousness. For example, let's say you get denied yeah, or something. but it will force people to be, like, good, right? Which is really paternalistic, is what I'm trying to say. It's but not, why it would you be... want people to be bad? Like, why would you want to allow people to be bad? Firstly, it's a balance between the good and bad. And secondly, I don't know why I wouldn't want people... It's like this. People... Like, yes, there has to be a balance, like, oh, yin-yang, there has to be a balance between good and bad. But if it's, like, a, a society in where in which people are forced to take on a certain perspective on things in order I get to it. have I get it. I know why. from people... I know okay. why. I know why. This basically forces everyone to be good. It's a very robotic way and efficient way of a society running, right? Imagine it being... Imagine it almost being like a society full of robots just be, doing good stuff so that they don't get fucked over. Yeah. Do you see what a problem with that? Is that... Yeah. It's not human. It's not human, do you get me? Yeah, I know. Also, having, like, abruptness is sometimes a good thing. Like, having large social change... Like, influential people are generally... They're not, like, the nicest people. Like, they're not people who... They're not someone... Who always like goes around and accepts everything from everyone's like a pushover, which is probably something you'd want to have a five star rating in the in the show, right? But like influential people are generally more abrupt and they would have like bad impressions. Like Mark Zuckerberg, have you seen the the the, the Facebook movie? No, I haven't. Um, he is a complete prick, right? So he he he's class A dickhead. But he is like, <laughs> but he is, he's. <laughs> That's gonna be our thumbnail. Mark Zuckerberg is a class A dickhead. <laughs> but he has incited like such massive social change, which you could argue it's for good or bad. But I would say, in terms of communicating and like the like uh, connecting people, it, I I would say it's a good thing overall. But like that wouldn't have happened in that kind of situation where 
if he was constantly being rated on how he interacts with people, he wouldn't have done the things he did. And it's the same with like it's the same with scientists of the past and like kings and queens and rulers. Imagine if Alexander the Great was going around, he was being rated by all the people he slaughtered. Right, his rating would be like you know who Alexander the Great is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's basically another coldest guy to live. Yeah, like he, he yeah, delivered smoke on a daily basis. But like it's the coldest guy to live in history. Like. But like he like, he wouldn't have done the things he did and like society would be different if he wasn't there. So I would say like to 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 be influential in society, you can't just be like you can't just agree with everything. Which is I think that's like that's that's also one of the things I think that society would fail at. It's like it mm. would encourage everyone to just be pushovers to everyone else, and no one would really like. No one would have any ambition to do anything because of that rating system, which is mm. interesting. Yeah, and that's a nice conclusion finally to this um, second part of the episode. So, thank you for watching, Thanos. Thanos, bye. <sighs> oh, it's sort of like, it's two shorter episodes, but um, yeah, hopefully it makes up for it... not having one last week as well yeah it, i think it works we'll uh we'll record another one in a couple of days um we don't have a plan for that either by the way i'll try and come up easy. with something it's half term we'll find something but yeah i'll try and i'll try and uh, get these out <gasps> as soon as possible yeah i broke an, i broke off a finger oh no it's back on okay he's welding okay <sighs> bye 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 Yeah.
It's not that I'm recording a podcast, so it's barge into. You can edit it, can't you? I can't edit it, but I'd rather not. You be go away, man. You should have told me. Should have told you that. <laughs> Did you hear that? Huh? Did you hear that? What? He said dead podcast. Oh my god. <laughs> my guy. You should get him on as a guest. <laughs> no, I'm not getting him on as a guest. What was I saying? Um, flip. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. What the flip? What? Oh, yeah, that. Yeah, I was thinking one was a genetic way. But this one, yeah. Just human suppressor genes. 